Good morning. If you're a church attender, you know that's a pretty weird church. It doesn't have the community or the offering trays up front and they try to take up an offering. So uh, who wants to go to Mozambique? Okay. There's three hands right there. They're all women. Way to look good, guys. Way to let your light shine. We're continuing on. We're talking about being the church, and we're, re- we're preaching through the book of Ephesians. I'm just going to begin this morning by reading in Ephesians 3, 1 through 13. For this reason I, Paul, the prisoner of Christ Jesus, for the Gentiles, if indeed you have heard of the dispensation of the grace of God, which was given to me for you, how that by revelation he made known to me a mystery, as I have briefly written already by which when you read, you may understand my knowledge in the mystery of Christ, which in other ages was not made known to the sons of men, as it has now been revealed by the spirit of his holy apostles and prophets, that the Gentiles should be fellow heirs of the same body, partakers of his promise in Christ through the gospel, of which I became a minister according to the gift of the grace of God given to me, by the effective working of his power to me, who am less than the least of all the saints, this grace was given that I should have preached among the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ and to make all see what is the fellowship of the mystery, which from the beginning of the ages has been hidden in God, created all things through Jesus Christ to the intent that now the manifold wisdom of God might be made known by the church to the principalities and powers and the heavenly places according to the eternal purpose which he accomplished in Christ Jesus our Lord, in whom we have boldness and access and confidence through faith in him. Therefore I ask that you do not lose heart in my tribulations for you which is your glory. So, you know, think about life. Life is full of all kinds of mysteries. Uh, one, of the, one of the things that's often said is, I just don't understand what she sees in him. <laughs> now, you notice it's always said that way. You don't ever hear, I don't understand what he sees in her. At least we keep that real quiet when we say those kind of things. But it, it's true. I mean, uh, sometimes we just don't quite understand things. The, the way we should. See, there's something deeper that she sees in him maybe than his countenance or how he looks. There's something that she loves about him that's more important than how he appears on the outside. This word mystery is, uh, in, in a biblical sense, is a hidden thing, not obvious to the understanding See, so it's a mystery to us that God would love us as much as he did to send Jesus to die for us. It's not something we can understand easily. It's something that has to be revealed. And it's been revealed through the word of God. It's been revealed to us through the teachings of of those that have gone before, through the the apostles and the, and the writings of the scripture that, that show us what it means and what the plan was. 
the very first chapter of Ephesians that we preached about, we understood that the, the mystery there was that God had a plan from the beginning of time, and that plan was that he would send his son Jesus Christ to die for us, that our debt of sin might be paid. And so we see that the wisdom of God gives us the answer to the mystery of life. And the answer to that is that God loves us. Again, it's always difficult to wrap your head around that, to get that straight. He loves us. He loves you, and he loves you even though you make mistakes. He cares about you because he knows that he sent his son to pay for the errors of our lives. And so we begin here, and in verse 1 it says, For this reason I, Paul, the prisoner of Christ Jesus, for you Gentiles. We, we begin to understand that the manifold wisdom of God was made known to Paul. And he learned that the call of God was not just for the Jewish people. The Jews thought it was. He thought it, they thought it was just about them. And so Paul was in the, in the process of doing something that was very misunderstood by everyone around him. All the people of his nation misunderstood that. They, they didn't grasp the idea that Paul had been called to do something. And so this call of going to preach the gospel to the outsiders, if you will, to the Gentiles, meant that Paul would eventually go to prison and ultimately die for his commitment to Jesus Christ. Now, how did this all happen? How did, how did Paul end up in prison for doing something that means so much to us, that is so precious to us? How, how, did, how did Paul come to be that misunderstood? It's because he was in a culture that thought differently than him. And we see that in our lives, too. If you look at the world that we live in, we know that our world looks at us differently than, than we do. They don't understand what we're doing. They don't get that what we're saying is, is for their benefit. All they can see is that they have a lot of rules and they have a lot of regulations and they have a lot of things that, that are being said that, that really don't connect with me. I've been taught something totally different. And, and so Paul is facing a similar circumstance as us. His love for these Gentile outsiders would, would do this for him. It would bring him to prison and death, ultimately. And how did it happen? Well, he was falsely accused. You know, if you preach the gospel, you're going to be accused of some things that are totally wrong, that are totally backwards. You're going to be called a bigot. You're going to be told that, that you uh, are a legalist. You're going to be told that you don't believe uh, in love, all these things. If you just pay attention, you hear it all the time. That these Christians, they're, they're just the opposite of what they really are. That's not who you are. That's not what you're about, but that's what people think. So here's Paul in Acts 21, verse 27. Paul had returned uh, to Jerusalem, and he, he had cleansed himself, and he was entering into the temple, and we read this. Now when the seven days were almost ended, the Jews from Asia, seeing him in the temple, stirred up the whole crowd and laid hands on him, crying out, Men of Israel, help! 
This is the man who teaches all men everywhere against the people, the law, and this place. And furthermore, he also brought Greeks into the temple and has defiled this holy place. It's not a fact. He did not bring any Greeks into the temple. He didn't do that. But they, they saw everything that Paul was saying as being against what they believed. It was against their law. It was against this place, this holy place, the, the temple of God. Uh, and he was doing this everywhere around the world. And so they were upset by that because he was going against what they thought was right. And, and so they were saying that he was guilty by association, that he was hanging out with the wrong kind of people and he had the wrong motives. And they said that because they had a lack of wisdom. They had not, not yet understood this idea of the manifold wisdom of God, as it talked about there in Ephesians. They couldn't grasp that idea at all. And so, ultimately, he was arrested. Ultimately, then, he would die. Why? I just ask you the question, do you ever feel misunderstood? Do you ever feel a little bit of pressure, like, like people are on you a little bit because you're proclaiming something that, that they just can't accept? Maybe you can remember when you were in that situation, when somebody was proclaiming something to you that you couldn't accept. I can remember that. I can remember those times. But see, what we have to do is be like Paul and be faithful to what he was called to do. He wouldn't give up on that. He kept going forward, and so he paid the, the price for being a Christian. If you look at Ephesians 3, 6, it says that the Gentiles should be fellow heirs of the same body and partakers of his promise in Christ through the gospel and, and they're thinking, how on earth can that be? See, the thing is, is that Israel had a misunderstanding of what God's plan was. They had no understanding that God loved everyone. They didn't get that. They didn't know that. That's why Israel suffered. That's why it missed the point that they had been given. Abraham was told to be a blessing to all nations. Yet Israel was not that. They moved away from that. They, they moved to something different. In, in uh, Isaiah 49 and verse 6, we say, Indeed, he says, It is no, too small a thing that you should be my servant to raise up the tribes of Jacob. It's not just enough to be the nation of Israel. Think about this and to restore the preserved ones of Israel, I will also give you as a light to the Gentiles that you should be my salvation to the ends of the earth. This, this is what they were intended to be. This is what they were supposed to be. But instead, they were more along these lines that we see in First Chronicles. And we look at verse six, chapter 16, verse 35, and it says... Save us, O God, of our salvation. Gather us together 
and deliver us from the Gentiles to give thanks to your holy name to triumph in your praise. In other words, there was obviously a conflict between the Gentiles and the Jews. The, the Gentiles weren't perfect in this for a long shot. But they came to that thinking. Save us from these other people. Keep us separate from them. Don't let us be involved with them in any capacity. And I'm saying as Christians, that's not right. We need to be in the world convicting others of the need to know the Savior, Jesus Christ. See, they just wanted to avoid others. We need to be a light in the dark place. And every Christian should think about that and be involved with that. So it's a mystery that, that God would reach out to these other people that they'd looked at as enemies. But the fact of the matter is we know that he did. We know that Peter was also called to go to the Gentiles and to share the truth of the message of the gospel with them and, and he, that he did that. We know that Paul also was called to go to the Gentiles and to share the message of what Jesus was doing in this world. We know this. And we have to accept it if we won't accept it, then are we any different? Are we hearing the call of God? Because we're called to be something different. In Acts 13, verse 45, it says, But when the Jews saw the multitudes, they were filled with envy and contradict, contradicting and blaspheming. They opposed the things spoken by Paul. This is a church in Antioch. Then Paul and Barnabas grew bold and said, It was necessary that the word of God should be spoken to you first, but since you rejected it and judge yourselves unworthy of everlasting life, behold, we turn to the Gentiles. For so the Lord has commanded us. I have set you as a light to the Gentiles that you should be for salvation to the ends of the earth. See, that's what Paul's called to do. And see, I want, I want you to think about this for a minute. Everyone in this building that's walking with God, that's a Christian, has been given a task by God. Do you believe that? that? That God has something for you to do. And he's empowering you to do it. And that task might seem very overwhelming. It might seem beyond something you can accomplish, but you're called to do it. Just as Paul was called to do this. So we see here, second point that I'd like to make here, is the manifold wisdom of God reveals the extent of God's love. It is clarified even, even in a greater depth through Paul's ministry and the inspired words he wrote. How do you know, how do I know, how do any of us know what is right? What is it that God wants from you? Well, it, it comes through his word, obviously. We, this mystery is revealed because Paul told us what the answer was as, it was as he was inspired by the Holy Spirit of God. He gave us the answer. And so we can read this book and we know that Jesus came because he loves us. 
And it was done at a specific time. God's plan was fulfilled at a specific time that we might have the opportunity to become Christians. Turn back to Ephesians 3 and we begin here in verse uh, 6. I'm going to start 6. That the Gentiles should be fellow heirs of the same body and partakers of his promise in Christ through the gospel of which I became a minister according to the gift of the grace of God given to me by the effective working of his power, that, that according to the gift of grace, that I was a minister according to the gift of his grace. You think of yourself like that, as a minister of Jesus Christ, because he's given you abilities to use for the kingdom of God. And so Paul understood this. To me, who am less than the least of all the saints, this grace was given that I should preach among the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ and to make all see what is the fellowship of the mystery which from the beginning of the age has been hidden in God who created all things through Jesus Christ. See, here's what happens to us oftentimes. We begin to think, you know, I'm not worthy to be God's messenger. And I, I would ask you, just this really, answer that question for yourself. I know we ask this question quite a bit, but have you ever said to yourself, I am not worthy. You know, I make mistakes. I do things wrong. So do I. So does everyone. All of us do. And so none of us are worthy. We don't deserve the grace God gives us. We don't deserve this. But he gives it to us. That's, that's kind of a mystery to us all. How do we get our head wrapped around it? God actually means what he says. And see, Paul was a great sinner. He admits that. And so he, he struggled with that very idea, the same thing we often struggle with. I'm not worthy to do this. He was, he was responsible for the death of Christians, more than likely. We know that. He persecuted the church. We see this in the book of Acts. And so what we have to get our head around is that God uses people that are unlikely to serve him. And that's us, every one of us. You know, we all have our things that we got to deal with. Now, Paul was a great success in the ministry, you know. Uh, he, he really was. What is one of the reasons we oftentimes don't accomplish what God has for us? we start comparing ourselves to other people. Have you ever done that? Oh, they're nicer than I am. They're, they're kinder than I am. They're better looking than I am. It's still a mystery what she sees in that guy, but I see all kinds of good things in him. You know, that we compare ourselves with each other. How many of us would like to compare ourselves to Paul? Paul do some really good things? Most definitely he did. He did, I mean, wow, look at Paul. And yet Paul understood the very same thing, that he had made mistakes. But he had to put his mistakes behind him. He had great success despite the fact that he'd made mistakes. And we have to understand that. He had a super intensity about what he did. 
Nothing caused him to quit. Not persecution, not physical illness, nothing like that. He did not quit. He had found his life's purpose and direction. And, and he, he got that. He understood it. And, and because of it then, he went forward. And he didn't turn back one time. You know, he did not back off. He, he, he did what needed to be done. Now, this is interesting about Paul, his intensity here. 1 Corinthians 9, it says in verse 16, For if I preach the gospel, I have nothing to boast of, for, ne for necessity is laid upon me. He says, even though he had all this success, he couldn't boast about it. He had to do it. He felt led to do it. What do you feel led to do? What do you feel is necessary in your life for you to accomplish for the kingdom of God? then do it. Go forward with it. Go as far as God will take you. For necessity is laid upon me. Yes, woe is me if I do not preach the gospel. He was called to do that to the Gentiles, and so he did it no matter what. He wasn't going to turn back. There's no turning back. Now, oftentimes people say, well, Larry, you, you're, you're one of these sports guys. You talk about sports a lot. But I haven't been doing that for a while, but I'm going to talk about football. I hardly ever do that. But football has a moral to it that I think is very important. If you've ever played football, you know you're going to get knocked down. Kind of like playing catcher on a baseball team. If you ever play catcher on a baseball team, somebody's going to knock you down at some time or another too. That's just a fact. So you get knocked down. As a matter of fact, that's the whole point of the game of football. If you're a lineman, your job is to knock somebody down. If you're a defensive player, your job is to tackle somebody, to knock somebody down. If you're a ball carrier, your job is to run over somebody and knock them down. That's the point. But what is the lesson to be learned? When you get knocked down, you got to get back up. You got to get back up. And Christians, you're going to get knocked down once in a while. You're going to do something very kind to somebody and they're going to not appreciate it. Or you're going to make a mistake and you're going to hurt somebody. It's going to happen. It happens. And you wish it wasn't that way. And you know sometimes it's because of your own foolishness and you know sometimes it's because others don't understand. But that's part of Christianity and you got to keep going forward. And Paul is the poster child for that. He understood that you don't step back, you keep going forward, you keep in the fight, and you don't give up. In Philippians uh, 3.13, Paul says, Brethren, I do not count myself to have apprehended, but one thing I do, remembering those things which are behind and reaching forward to those things which are ahead, I press toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Sometimes you've got to put some things behind you, and you have to go forward. Sometimes you have to forgive somebody. Sometimes you have to just go on. You've got to keep going, and that's what he did. See, we might not feel worthy either. 
we might feel like the same way Paul expressed, but we need to follow his example, which is don't give up. Ask for forgiveness, do what you need to do, and go forward. We have, we have to understand that grace is the desire and the power to do God's will. Another way to think of it. And so, in your heart of hearts, I know you have a desire that God's given you. I, I, I feel that I can say that very confidently, that God gives us all a desire for something that we want to, as Christians, accomplish for the kingdom of God. And I also believe that God will be with you as you go forward to accomplish that. See, the plan of salvation is completed in Christ. He planned it for us all. And he knows that we make mistakes. Do you believe that Christ is intimately involved in your life? Do you really believe it? Do you believe that as a Christian you have the Holy Spirit living in you? That he's alive and he's well? And that he's walking with you and he's teaching you? See, we, we have to be reminded of that sometimes. We have to be reminded that God is with us and, and going forward with us. And that this has been planned from the beginning. That a Savior would come. And that Savior would leave us the gift of the Holy Spirit. See, the manifold wisdom of God is revealed in God's timing and according to his purpose. And his, his time is, in, is interesting. Maybe today is your time. You ever thought about that? Maybe this is, this is the day that you need to make a decision to accept Jesus Christ. Maybe this is the day that you need to place your life in his hand. And maybe that's what's deep down in your heart, the desire that you feel. Don't, don't fight that off, but listen to it. In Ephesians 3 and verse 10, it says, To the intent that now the manifold wisdom of God might be made known by the church to the principalities and powers in the heavenly places, I, according to the eternal purpose which he accomplished in Christ Jesus our Lord, in whom we have boldness and access with confidence through faith in him, Therefore, I ask that you do not lose heart in my tribulation. Notice this thing. He talks about the manifold wisdom of God makes it clear. The word of God makes it clear. As you study the word, as you look at the word, you begin to become clear. What is this idea of manifold wisdom? It's, it's the idea of a multifaceted. It's like thinking like the onion, layers of the onion. There's just... There's more and more and more to understand about God's wisdom. As you walk with God, you begin to learn more about it. You learn, you learn how to walk. He shows you more and more things. And the challenges are there. But he's with us. And he, he wants that to be made known by the church. You see that? The manifold wisdom of God might be made known by the church. Well, who's the church? It's not this building has nothing to do with it other than it's a place for us to come and to gather. But the church is all of us sitting here today, right here. We're the body of Christ at Paradise Valley. We're the body, of, part of the body of Christ that's 
throughout the whole world. Leonard and Al are part of the body of Christ over in Mozambique. Our other missionaries are spread around the world to proclaim this wisdom that God loves us and God died for us by sending his son to pay the price for our sins. His purpose was to unite mankind and restore the relationship that we've all lost. If you're not a Christian, you're lost. Sometimes we don't just want to say it quite like that. But you're lost. You're stumbling around in the darkness if you don't know Jesus. And maybe that answers a question for you. Maybe that's how you feel. Do you feel lost? Do you feel like you don't have a direction? Do you feel like maybe you're missing a greater purpose in your life? That's the Spirit of God telling us to get involved. See, his purpose was to unite mankind with God and restore that relationship that we once had as we walked in the garden. I believe he does this in three ways. He does it on the cross. On the cross, he said, it is finished. What is finished? Well, what's finished is the debt has been paid for our sins. It's finished. Christ suffered and died to pay that debt. At the resurrection, he was referred to as the first fruits of the resurrection. We know that Jesus was resurrected from the dead. And what does that mean? It means that he's going to guarantee that we also will be raised. That we also will have eternal life. And the last thing that I see here, how it manifests itself, is that he is the bride. He's going to return for his bride. We're the bride. He's going to return for us, the church, see that? Those things are made clear. So the, the accomplishment of God's purpose brings some benefits that are very important to us. Hebrews 14.6 says we can enter into the, his presence with boldness. Being a Christian brings us that function in our life. We, we have access to God. So boldness and access. And lastly, being a Christian brings confidence about our future and about our life. And we know that what we're called to do, that God is going to be with us, that he's going to be working with us to accomplish it. That's, that's important. In 1 John chapter 2, verse 28, says, And now, little children... Abide in him. And when he appears, we may have confidence and not be ashamed before him at his coming. If you're a Christian, you need not be ashamed. If you're not a Christian today, this would be a day that you can make that decision. You can decide for yourself. Realize that the mystery is revealed to us, and we have opportunity to reveal it to others that they might walk with Jesus. Please stand.